in her home, the kids are forced to call him dad and they have to call my husband by his first name. Like they have to refer to my husband by his first name to, to her. Like he's not their dad in, when they're in her home. Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's back up. <laughs> I don't think I've heard this one before. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hello, David. Hey, what's happening? Not a lot. So just a reminder for everybody out there, we are still giving away free Nacho Kids Academy access through our scholarship program. Yes, we are. So um, I don't think we're, we're not announcing anybody today, right? Correct. Okay. But we are giving away a free month to the Academy through our scholarship program. And we're doing that like every other week for the entire year. Mm-hmm. And in December, it's every week. Right. So, um, so how do they apply? They apply by submitting a video, a very short video, one to 10 minutes long, telling us a little bit about their blend and why they think they are worthy of the scholarship. And no, you do not have to put your precious little face in there. We know some of you are camera shy. <laughs> But just be creative, and you can send the video to us at contactus at nachokids.com, or you can message us at contactus at nachokids.com, and I will send you a link to upload it to a Google form. Okay. And we have had people submit them through Dropbox, too, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, we had one come in the other day, and the lady was like, Going through and giving like exhibit A, this is why exhibit B and exhibit C. I was like, it's awesome. Yes. So we've really enjoyed the videos that we've received and we appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing these winners in the Academy. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So what else do you want to talk about today? Well, let's talk about our Q&A coaching calls in the Academy. Okay. So inside the Academy... Uh, for those members that are there, we have what what we call Q&A coaching calls because sometimes they're Q&A and sometimes they're coaching. <laughs> uh, but we do this, we typically do it uh, twice a month, but we really ramped it up during this time where everybody's at home and things are going kind of crazy. And to give the people across the world more access because we've got members in Australia, we've got members in Amsterdam, we've got Members everywhere. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to do that when they're, you know, 12 hours ahead or behind or something like that. And, you know, some of them you even have to, you know, do like a one o'clock in the morning call for us to be during their time. But we found sometimes it worked uh, for everybody. So anyway, we do this. I think we're up to like, what, five times a month now. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't even keep up with it. But these calls are so great because it gives everybody an opportunity to come together and ask questions and put things out there about those things they're struggling with. And uh, and Lori and I can help them with the problems they have. And it's so much easier and quicker to do that than it is through you know, the forums and some of these other things that we use. And so... Um, and not only that, but the other members jump in there too, because I'm, you know, I'm very quick to tell people, look, you can participate. It's not the David and Lori show. Um, and, you know, you do help people with your story and things you're working out in your own blend. And so uh, we just had one last night 
And uh, one of the couples that were on there was, you know, talking about how they just uh, had dealt with a very similar situation that the couple was already in, uh, the other couple was in. And so they were able to speak to how they, you know, how they're handling that and, and stuff like that. It's just super, super helpful. It's not, um, it's not like the Facebook group where you got 90% of the people in there just fussing. No, it, it is nothing like the Facebook group. It's night and day. Yeah. Our, the Nacho Kids Academy is night and day versus the oh, Facebook yeah. group. And we keep saying we need to add a disclaimer that to the Nacho group on Facebook that 90% or 95% of the comments and views posted by people are not comments that David and I approve or agree that are not showing. Right. It's it's just a place where people can come and talk about their problems. And, and yes, they do get some help and then some of it's good and, and probably most of it's not. <laughs> right. And there are some members that understand nachoing and give great advice. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, moderators and you and I are in there. Yep. And, you know, we give nacho advice, but there are a lot more members that are new to nachoing and don't really understand it. So it's hard to help people understand how to nacho properly when you've got nine out of 10 comments are not really nachoing properly, which is why we created the Academy. Yeah. So what is it about the coaching calls you like? I like seeing everybody's pretty little face. And <laughs> now you like when people have little babies, they stick up in the camera. Yeah. Um, I don't, it makes me feel closer to them. It makes me feel more personal with them mm-hmm. because I can see them. And, you know, you can see when it clicks, when you say something to them, or you can see that they're stressed just by the look on their face. And um, you can also see when things are going good for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I think it just builds like um, friendships, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Well, you do get to see all the communication of that person, not just what they're saying. You get to see it on their face and, um, you know, their body language and all that. And so you can kind of tell what uh, what's going on. Right. But, but yeah, it's, um, I even like when somebody's talking and then you see somebody like another uh, lady or a couple that's there. Because there are couples that are there. <laughs> There's a couple of couples. Yeah, actually, yeah. We had like all couples. Last uh, night. Last night. Mm-hmm. So um, I keep thinking that I'm going to start doing just a men's only call, but that hasn't happened yet. But it, it might. We might do that just for us guys because we, we need a special kind of help. <laughs> yeah, y'all do. Yeah, it's called dealing with the stepmom. Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever, David. <laughs> anyway... Um. Yeah. The the coaching calls are, are fantastic, and that's and that's just one of the benefits of being in the academy. Yep. All right, David. Let's talk about our guest today. All right. Let's get moving. Our guest today is Jennifer. She has been in a blend. They've been together six years, but they've only been married three and a half. And she wasn't around the stepkids a lot prior to the marriage. And here you go. She believes if she would have spent a lot more time with the stepkids prior to marriage, she may not have gotten married at all. (laughs) So let's listen to Jennifer's story. Okay. And I'll talk to you later, David. All right. Here we go. 
is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? Hi, how are you? Doing well. So, how long have you been blending? Um, I've known my husband for six years. Uh, we've been married for three and a half. Um, we did not live together prior to getting married. So, um, I did have some contact with the children before we got married, um, you know, like on holidays and things like that. But if, if you're dating somebody with children, usually you're hanging out when the kids aren't with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, didn't, I didn't spend as much time with them as I probably should have before marriage. Um, and then I, my husband's got full custody, so they live with us full time. Okay. So they have no contact whatsoever with the bio mom? Yes, they do. They go there once a week and every other weekend, and we alternate holidays. Okay. And I have, uh, I should probably tell you how many I have. I have uh, stepson nine, uh, stepson 12, and um, a daughter who's one that's an R's baby. Okay. Now, it's interesting that you brought up the fact of not meeting the kids as much. um, Because when you are dating, you normally do see the bio parent when they don't have the kids. It, It just works that way. Right, right. Because you want to spend time, right? Right. And a lot of people are like, well, you should be able to bond with these kids. Well, you didn't date those kids. You may have spent a quarter amount of the time with the kids as you did with the person you're dating. Yeah, that's true. That's probably good math. That's probably 25% of the time is, you know, that's probably uh, is is a good average for what what happens. Right. And And it's so wrong. It should be a lot more than that. Yes. But... Again, you're not dating the kids. Nobody thinks, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I need to build a bond with the kids. And even if you do, it has been proven to us over and over again. Once you change from dating to being married, oh, it's a whole nother ballgame. I don't know if I saw that. Only, I mean, I must have really not spent enough time with them at all. But um, I I can probably say, and I don't think I'm alone here, that if I would have spent a lot more time with the children prior to marriage, I may have never gotten married. Really? Well, I mean, not, and I don't say this from a perspective of not having affection for the children, but, you know, as a stepmom who is many times a primary caretaker mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, of the kids, and I entered into this marriage with no children of my own, that's a huge transition. Yes. You know, it's a big, big, big life change. And, um, you know, it's funny because you theoretically know that your life is going to change in that way when you marry this person, but you don't actually know until you are, you know, knee deep in the trenches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that saying that we love of, you knew what you were getting into. No, I did not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember hearing you on one episode saying, you know, don't you hate when people say that? And I, I honestly hate when people say that because I think there's a small element of it that's kind of like an, I told you so. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, the person tell you know, like, I feel like when people say it, it's almost people who are, who are like laughing at your misery. 
You know what I mean? There is no, there is no sympathy or empathy in that when people say you knew what you were getting into. It's almost like I knew you would fail and, I, and I'm happy that I'm right. Right. You know, and, and that's, I think, what's most hurtful about it. Right. And I like to liken it to getting a job. You may be hired to be customer service at a company. Well, then something yeah. changes, and the next thing you know, you're doing purchasing or you're yeah. doing accounting. You, just yeah. because you go into something thinking yeah. you know what the job is going to be or the role yeah. is going to be, yeah. it changes. And yeah. the expectations of going into a blend, there's very few people that I really think can say, yes, I went into this. This is what I expected. This is what happened. And nothing was awry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a lie. If anybody says that, I don't think that it, it, it's either a lie or they are just really uninvolved with, with the children. You know what I mean? If they're not involved at all, if they completely nacho. Mm-hmm. then maybe, you know, because they're so, you know, and they're just disengaged all the time, then, you know, but but I don't think anybody goes into a, a blended family situation wanting to nacho, right? You, you, everybody goes in with this expectation that we're going to be the Brady Bunch. Right. And then you learn all these different things and you're like, okay, I have to step back here. I have to re-engage here. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress, but definitely, it's definitely not anywhere I ever thought my life would be. I never, ever thought I would marry someone with children. I never thought I would raise children that weren't my own, ever. Right. And you're so right about going into it with those expectations. And even if you have, quote, quote, realistic expectations, because I thought David and I had realistic expectations, you still kick into that societally defined or even innate Mm -hmm. parenting role. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm here, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of things. I'm the mother Mm -hmm. um, of the house or female of the house, leader, whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. we don't realize until we get too far in that, wait a minute, this is not working. And I think, well, I know it's harder to step back once you've already been all in than it is if you would just start off not being so engaged and not being so into everything. Yeah. Oh, it's always hard to pull back, right? Yes. Like it's way easier to not start to begin with, but to start and then pull back, it's so hard. I mean, even last night, I don't remember what happened, but something happened. I saw my stepson doing something that wasn't right. And my, my, you know, knee jerk reaction is to want to jump in and say something, but I had to tell myself, no, 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 his dad is home. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this one on. His dad has to, has to handle it. And that, actually takes a lot of you know like you have to practice getting good at that yes you know you because because even even as much as you try there are going to be times where you just you lose it you know and you say something and then later you say you know maybe I should have just let his dad handle that one so uh it's definitely hard to pull back if you've gotten involved already right and it's important to let the dad handle it because the kid needs them to parent them as much as you need to not parent them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's for me. And I think this is a very common problem. Um, my husband and I have very different parenting approaches Mm -hmm. and, uh, my husband is like, like a lot of dads, he's like the cuddler, you know, he's a fun dad who, you know, just wants to have fun. He's laid back. And, uh, I grew up in a very, um, strict environment and, I, like, I believe it was, I believe the way that I was raised was 
a, a good way of, you know, raising a child. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it worked for my family, worked for my parents, you know, everybody in, you know, in my family has done well in life and we weren't well off people. We weren't rich or anything, but we all were able to build something out of our lives. And so I feel like, you know, some of the reason why that is, is because, you know, we had a very disciplined upbringing. And a lot of times we raise our kids uh, or our standards for raising children comes from how we were raised. It's either how we were raised and how we want we want to see other kids raised or how we were raised was so bad that we want to make sure we do it complete opposite way. Right. But it's always the way we're raised always has something to do with our our life. And so for me, you know, my my husband 100% has guilty parent syndrome 100% um but also you know coupled with that the fact that he he just didn't grow up in a very strict environment and um he turned out okay but you know at the same time he didn't come from a high conflict divorce he didn't come you know i always say kids from um high conflict divorces are at risk kids because they are pulled in so many different directions and they're exposed to a lot of things from a young age that children shouldn't be exposed to that they become easy targets for bad influences. Right. You know? And so I always think that, you know, even if you got away with, uh, you know, some stuff is, you know, when you were younger, you got to set the bar a little higher for your kids because your kids are exposed to things that are, you know, a little different than yours. And, you know, before I nachoed, um, I probably started to nacho maybe like after a year into our marriage. And uh, like, I think, you know, as it happens with a lot of your listeners, you pull back, the other spouse starts to see the stuff that you were seeing, and then they step in and they, they you know, pick up the slack, essentially, and they start to do what they have to do. But they wouldn't have seen it unless you pulled back, you know, and you stopped being the bad guy. Right. Um, and so that's exactly what happened with us. Now, um, the way that I nacho is I, I have some strategies that I've, you know, put in place with my husband where um, I, I've come to realize that it is so, so, so important for the children to like me and love me um, because liking me is, you know, it's an option. It's a, it's a choice. Whereas you love your parents you know, whether you choose to love them or not, you love them. You're biologically, naturally, you know, created to love them. But a step parent, you actually have to make an effort to love them. Mm -hmm. So it's so important for my stepchildren to love me that I, you know, even if they've been the worst kids the whole day, if I just can find one thing to compliment them on or to reward them on, I will. And I'll do it because, at some point, the children's association with me becomes really positive. Like, you know, when I interact with my stepmom, she's always complimenting me. She's always rewarding me. You know, she's never punishing me. She's never seeing the bad stuff that I do. Of course, I see it. I just don't, I, I don't take it on, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so at that point, I become a positive, happy place for the kids. And so I will tell my husband, <laughs> whenever he buys them anything or whatever he wants to take him somewhere, he always, it's, he has to make it my idea. Um, and he has to give me all the credit and he's totally fine with that because he's on board and he understands how important it is for the children to, to like me and love me. 
So, you know, all the credit for the good stuff always goes to me. And, you know, kids are people, people like bribes. Okay. You're, if you meet somebody who's going to constantly give you stuff and constantly be nice to you, and there's no way you're not going to like that person. And so, um, you know, that's, that's really what I do. So I, I nacho, um, all the bad stuff and I take credit for all the good stuff and I get involved with all the fun stuff. And, um, the, the only thing that I, you know, establish with them very early on is, uh, number one, I'm not, I've told them from day one, I'm not your mom. You have a mom, you have a dad. I am not your mother. I don't want you to call me mom. I don't want you to think of me as your mom. I am your dad's wife. I'm your stepmom. I will take care of you, you know, in, in the ways that I should, that I owe you, meaning, you know, fix you a meal or, you know, help take you to school, whatever it is, but I'm not your mom. And what I found was because I have constantly told them that I am not your mom, I've never been in the position where I tell them to do something and they would say, well, you're not my mom. Don't tell me what to do. Because mm-hmm. like they've never been able to hurt me that way because I've just taken that power away from them by telling them that I'm not trying to be your mom. And um, sometimes when they get into it with their dad and I could see that their dad is not really getting through to them, I would tell them, listen, my opinion doesn't count. Okay, you don't have to do anything to make me happy. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. But can I share with you as a friend what I think? of X, Y, and Z. And I find that they are really receptive when I do that. And my opinion of that is, you know, when we were kids, we didn't think our parents were cool. If anything, a lot of us were embarrassed by our parents. Mm-hmm. And, but then we would have like a fun uncle or, you know, a parent's friend that we thought was the coolest person in the world for whatever reason. And then if they said the same thing that our parent was saying, they and I, all of a sudden we'd listen to them. Right. You know, and so I try to position myself as that person because I think I'll just get I'll get a lot further with them that way. Right. As a mentor or a confidant. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's different when the kids realize that, hey, she's telling me this because she's been through it. She doesn't want me to get hurt. Or she just wants to share what she's learned in life, not as she's telling me what to do. Right. And I have no skin in the game. You could do what I'm telling you to, or you don't have to. It doesn't make a difference to me either way. And so now they have the freedom of choosing to do the right thing rather than being forced to do it. Right, right. And it is so different. It's funny because um, David's kids will tell me stuff before they talk to him about it. Oh, they, with me, they do that all the time. I'm constantly telling my husband their secrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're way more comfortable do- because there's no consequence with me. There's right. no, con- I'm not going to punish you. I'm, you know, there's no consequence. So they, they're way more comfortable telling me things. They will sometimes look at me for their needs right in front of their dad. Like they, and, and that's a, a big win for me. You know, um, as someone who's not, their parents, when they treat me like a parent, I find that to be a big win. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and then the other thing that I I did teach him is, um, even though I'm not your mom, and you're not my children, one thing that we do believe in in this house is human decency. Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to disrespect you, but you're also not going to disrespect me. Um, you know, I'm never going to call you a name. I'm never going to be hurtful to you. I'm never going to put my hands on you, of course. 
I expect you to also behave as a decent human being because those are the rules of this house. So when I, you know, tell you, I don't like how you're talking to me, it's not because I'm trying to be your mom. It's because I expect you to treat me with the same respect that I treat you. And then um, even though I'm not your parent and I'm, I'm not in charge of you and I'm not the boss of you, when your dad leaves me in charge of you, um, I am in charge of you. I am your boss. You will listen to me. And the only reason it is that way is it's for your safety. Mm-hmm. And because you are a responsibility that I have to return to your parents in one piece. So if something happens to you when I'm watching you, I'm going to have to answer to your dad what happened to you. And so for that reason, you're going to listen to me. But that's no different than me telling you to listen to your babysitter when she comes over. Right. You know, that, that's all it is. Your babysitter is not your mom, but you're going to listen to her, you mm-hmm. know. And so in that sense, I am going to be in charge of you. But let's not, you know, get it confused. I'm not trying to be your parent here. And they 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 understand that and they're they're OK with that. I remember one time, um, for those that don't know our story, things were so bad with David and I. We were about to divorce. The stepkids mm-hmm. hated me. And I know everybody doesn't like the word hate. It's funny. This It's OK to say the stepkids hated me. But if I say I hated the stepkids, then it's a mm-hmm. completely different ballgame. So I'll just say <laughs> um, the stepkids hated me and I didn't care for them very mm-hmm. much. So yeah. I had to disengage and step back or nacho supreme 100%. And mm-hmm. so when they came in the house, I wouldn't even say, hey, because if I said hey to them and they didn't respond, it made me mad. Well, yeah. I took that out of the equation. They couldn't make me mad if I didn't try to engage with them first. And <laughs> I remember one day thinking, you know, I'm treating them different than I would a stranger. If I saw mm-hmm. a stranger, you know, walking through the parking lot and you make eye contact, you go, hey, how are you? But the difference with that stranger is we didn't have that hurt between us and that resentment and that anger built up. So we right. had we had to all heal from that. And it took about a year. And then the next thing you know, I started reengaging slowly. There were times I would reengage and go, whoops, not ready yet, whether they weren't ready or I wasn't ready. And I'd step back again. But then it got to the yeah. point where they would come running in the door. Lori, come here. I got to show you something. Not daddy, but Lori. <laughs> Right, and so, right, yeah. Yeah, you have to understand the dynamics. And if you are at a place where there is resentment and there is anger, you've got to step back enough to be able to heal from that and then slowly start reengaging. And it may even be where you test out saying hey to them when they walk in the door. And if they don't respond, go, okay, well, you know what? They're not ready yet. But mm-hmm. at some point they may be. You just have to kind yeah. of test the waters, but you also have to not take things personally. And that's very hard to do. That's very hard. It's very, very hard. To, you know, it's hard to not take it personally, Lori, because it is personal. You, you know what? It is personal. I, you know, it, it's not personal because it could be anybody filling in as their stepmom and they would get the same treatment. But it is personal because it is you because you're the stepmom. There's nobody else. Right. You know, and so it is personal. Um, but you know, I hate the, you know, we talked about how we hate the, you knew what you were getting into, but one thing I had to really train myself to do is to stop feeling sorry for myself. And it's not because, um, it's not a tough situation that we're in, but because I realized that feeling sorry for myself was only making things more difficult. Yes. You know, if, if waking up every morning with that dread of having to see these faces 
was making it really hard to see these faces, mm-hmm. you know, but waking up every morning and saying it's a new day. I know we ended last night horribly, but I'm just going to try to smile and be nice for the 45 minutes. I have to see them before I drop them off to school. And you're, you're definitely going to start seeing some improvement, but constantly um, feeling like you just got handed a really bad hand. It, it's not going to help. And you know, in that sense, you do have to be honest with yourself and say, look, I really did know what I was getting into. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and if you didn't know, if you didn't know, at the end of the day, we all do have the option to walk away from our relationships, you right. know? And so, I, I mean, sometimes you also do have to put that option on the table. I ha- I'll be honest with you. I've never, you know, I've never g- come to the, the, the serious stage of going to see a, a divorce lawyer or anything like that. But I have before fantasized and really considered what it would be like if I just went and got another house and moved out. And I have thought about it. And, I, and ultimately, I came to the conclusion that, you know, even though things are really difficult, my husband and I are better together than we are separately, you know? And so this is the right relationship. It just unfortunately has, you know, it's obstacles. And, you know, I try to tell myself, I don't have a problem. A problem is having a a kid who's got cancer, you know, a problem is having a spouse who, you know, might get killed every day because he's deployed, you know, to Iraq. I don't have a problem. I have a problem that has um, an expiration date when they turn 18. Our problem is high conflict bio mom, honestly. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I always say like my problem has an expiration date. So it's not really a problem. I just have to find a way to make the time pass, <laughs> you know, and if I make right. the time pass and somehow survive, you know, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up okay, waking up in the morning and saying today's a new day. One of the blogs that I wrote, one of the first blogs I wrote was Clean Slate. And it is starting each day with a clean slate. Don't harbor yesterday's resentments and allow it to steal today's joys. Mm-hmm. Because we can it's, all sit... It's true. Yeah, we can all sit here and think of reasons to be mad. Or yeah. I can look at the scratch on my coffee table and go you know what? That just makes me mad. That's a nice piece of furniture. I paid a lot for that. Well, you know what? It happened six years ago. It's okay. Thank God it didn't happen when one of the kids was stabbing the other with a knife or something. I mean, you you know, it's um, right. Right. And and like you said, it's it's almost putting things into a different perspective. You said you listened to the podcast. So I'm sure you've heard me talk about the Nick guy that's got the chicken leg. Yeah. I can't ever remember his last name. Juicio or something. Okay. But if he can find positive in life, we can mm-hmm. find positive in life. Right, right. There are people that their kids do have cancer, and they can find positive. Right. So just because right. little Johnny is a pain in the butt and a holy terror, and he's constantly trying to get you and dad to split up, there is a yeah. positive to find in that. And I know it's hard, yeah. but you can do it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know... I also, you know, I, I talk to people, I mean, there are people who have really bad family problems in, the, in, in non-blended families, Oh yeah. you know, and so, so, you know, the, the thing with being a step parent or a, in a blended family is that it always feels so isolating, right? Like I think of my neighbors, you know, to the right, the left and the front 
house of me. Those are immediate neighbors. There's no blended families. There, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so when you're a blended family, you feel so isolated. You feel like nobody else is out there. But that's not true. You know, uh, but within these same houses, there are problems. There are, you know, these non-blended families, there are problems. There are illnesses. There are addictions. There are a lot of problems, you know? And so we have to get out of that mindset of my problem is the biggest problem in the world. It's not, it's probably a really crappy feeling that you have, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not the, it's, um, and there are days, I mean, like yesterday I had a really bad day. My heart, my heart was just in the pit, my stomach all day. I was in a bad mood, you know? And so I, and, and I can exactly tell you if anything horrible had happened that day, but I just didn't feel myself that day and that's going to happen. But, um, you just have to try to take every day as it comes. And if you really feel that this is the end of the rope, it's also okay to walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also okay to say, no, this is not going to work right now. Right. Now, one thing too, um, you know, in our Facebook group and even in the Academy, we stress the importance to people of if you're not dedicated to make this work, then it's not going to. You can't have one foot out the door or threaten to leave every other week or threaten to kick somebody out every other week or threaten divorce and expect it to work. And so when I told David, when we started the nacho and thing, and I said, all right, we're going to give this a shot. And we both agreed, this is what we're going to do. We are going to make this work. We are not going to talk about living separately to try to make it work. We are not going to talk about splitting up. We are going to make this work. And it changed because then when you know that, when you have an argument, it doesn't kick into, oh, well, we're going to end up splitting up or whatever. You look at it differently and look, okay, you know what? This is a hurdle and we'll get past it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if you are threatening to leave or you are being threatened to, you know, that the, that your spouse is going to leave you every time you have an argument, that's uh, like psychological blackmail where you almost maybe cannot always speak your mind or cannot, you know, do the things that you want to do because you're under that constant threat of, well, what if this person leaves me? And that's not a fair way to, to be in anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you're not, you're not going to be on a level playing field with anybody. If you're constantly under that threat, you have to be, you know, you have to be comfortable in a relationship. You cannot be, uh, you, you cannot be in a, in a situation where you're constantly being threatened to, to leave. Right. You can't. Yeah. It's almost like if you want to look at it from a different perspective is you can't plan to go on a diet and then one day you eat a piece of cake and you feel like you, you know, just, oh, I might as well give up. Even though I've lost 10 pounds, I might as well just give up because I screwed up this one day. No. Right, no. right, right. And right. you mentioned a lot of the blended family issues are also nuclear issues. And mm-hmm. you are an example of that. You and your husband have different parenting styles mm-hmm. and because of how you were raised and you've got mm-hmm. a kid together. Yeah. So you do have a nuclear family in your home and a blended family in your home. Right, right. Yeah. And... It- and and you're right. It's got its own challenges, regardless of, you know, I mean, high, high conflict by a mom is no hand in this, right? It's just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, tell us some of the issues that you deal with with the high conflict by a mom. Listen, high conflict is a very mild way to describe it. <laughs> I mean, if there is super ultra supreme high conflict, she would be in that category. 
Um, so j- just to give you a little background, uh, which you hear this a lot on your podcast, um, her and my husband were married for about five years. Um, she cheated on him. He filed for divorce. She, I, I think she didn't really think my husband was ever going to leave her. And so when she fought, when he filed for divorce, she basically told him that if you go ahead with this divorce, I am going to make sure that I make you miserable for the rest of your life. And she has kept that promise. And, um, then she turned around and she married the guy that she cheated on my husband with. And she, in her home, the kids are forced to call him dad and they have to call my husband by his first name. Like they have to refer to my husband by his first name to, to her. Like he's not their dad in, when they're in her home. Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's back up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've heard this one before. So, Oh, I'm telling you, this is really special. So dad's name, let's just say, is Fred. The kids call him dad when they're with him. When they go back to bio moms, it can't be, well, my dad took us here or my dad this. It's Fred had Fred did this, Fred did that. Yeah, and their dad is her husband who cheated on who she cheated on my husband with. I mean, is that like not twisted? That is really twisted. Yeah. Okay, you might win the twisted award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And this started when they were like three and six. No, before that, maybe like two and five, because their divorce took a long time to, you know, no, no, the, the, when the divorce was finalized, the younger one was two. So I would say the older one was exposed to this since he was three, four years old. And so, um, like for, like, they don't know anything but this dysfunction and that's really sad. That's crazy. So, okay. She cheated on your husband with this guy. Did she immediately like move in with this guy um, during the divorce or did she at least wait? Yeah. Yeah, she did, but she denied it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. But she pretended like it wasn't. Yeah, she, she did, but she, she denied it. And then, um, you know, after divorce was finalized by your, you know, by a couple of years, maybe she ended up marrying him. But my husband knew all along that they were together. I mean, and my husband didn't care. I mean, he, he told me when he caught her, they had marital problems and they were all marital problems that you could work out. Um, but when she cheated, it's almost like he was looking for, he was looking for for a reason to get out and she gave him that reason, you know? And so, so it was like, perfect. This is not meant to work out. I'm going to file for divorce. He did. Um, and she, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, on, on one hand, he tells me that her ego is really bruised that he divorced her. On the other hand, I don't understand that because you cheated that marriage couldn't have been that important to you. And then you turn around and you married somebody else anyway. Like, why do you care so much that he divorced you? You know? Um, but she has then made every effort to, um, you know, my husband, uh, and I, I own my own business. My husband is a doctor and we are broker than anybody you'll ever know because of all the attorney's fees that we've paid. Um, my husband and I share finances. I don't, I, you had a lady call in before who had, um, like separate finances mm-hmm. and kudos, kudos to her. I, I, you know, really, um, struggled with whether we should separate finances or not when I got married and I ultimately decided to share him only because I felt like if I were him, I would 
really appreciate if somebody really partnered with me in that way. And I wanted to give this my all. Um, looking back, I wish I had, and I wish I would have kept them separate because I came into this marriage with a good chunk of money that I don't have anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, um, I'm not upset that I spent that money. I'm upset that I spent that money on bio mom. Right. You know what I mean? If I would have taken that money and taken a trip around the world with my stepkids, I would have been okay with that because I gave him an experience, you know? Um, But the fact that I spent that money on her, you know, in some sense, even though my husband still has custody, that's still a win for her, you know, Mm -hmm. because she was able to, to, to cause that damage. So, um, so to, you know, to make a a long story short, um, initially she had, um, they had joint custody. She never, um, like he would show up for exchanges and she would just never give him the kids when she was supposed to, or she would give him the kids three hours late. She never respected the parameters of, you know, their, their, uh, parenting time. And, uh, then her and her, uh, boyfriend, then boyfriend, now husband, um, I guess the kids were misbehaving. He's got like, uh, four kids. Mm-hmm. So when they're all together, you're talking about six kids. That's a lot of chaos for even if they're the best behaved kids, that's just a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. So she got frustrated and she, um, beat, um, my stepson badly and injured him. And, uh, child protective services, uh, was contacted and they determined that, you know, she had in fact, you know, unreasonably, uh, abused him. And so the custody was then modified to, um, my husband Mm -hmm. and my husband's had him ever since. And she has made it her, you know, life's mission to, so my, so my husband's got full custody. They spend, you know, m- the majority of the time in our house, but she, when they got divorced, decided that she was going to stop working so she could get money. And my husband has to pay her child support, even though they live with us. And that's, ha- that's our, that's the laws of our state. Our state is whoever is making more money is paying the other parent, regardless of, you know, of the parenting time, which is that's disgusting crazy. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and while we're at it, let me just tell you, I am so disgusted by our, uh, family court system and I know I'm not alone. I know it's not just in the state that I live in, but I'll tell you the family court system is, is such an atrocity in our country, Lori, because you know what? I, I cannot imagine, I cannot tell you if there's anything that's being done to help children. I mean, we give criminals the right to an attorney for free. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to go to court and you wanted to fight for your kids and you didn't have money for a lawyer, oh, well, that's too bad. Right. It, I mean, there's something really wrong with that. You know, we will, I understand that, you know, even criminals are presumed innocent until proven guilty, but you're willing to provide, uh, and, I, and I know that that's, you know, our constitution, but we are we are essentially okay with providing free uh, legal services to people who are accused of committing crimes, but we are not willing to provide free legal services for the protection of children. Right, that's horrible. Oh, honey, we we can have a whole week of podcast on this. I know. 
I know, I know, I know. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get down that, no, that but it, wormhole, but you know. It, it drives me insane because like you yeah. said, if you don't have the money to go back to court to fight for your kid, say the kid is, um, I don't want to say being abused to the point that DSS needs to, or mm-hmm. Department of Social Services or whatever you call mm-hmm. it where you are, um, mm-hmm. where they need mm-hmm. to be brought in. But, mm-hmm. you know, if like by a mom, she's not bringing the kids back when she's supposed to. You shouldn't have to go mm-hmm. retain an attorney for three to five grand to go handle that. Right. Right. But, the, but that's what it is. Yeah. You know, and then all these lawyers, these lawyers, these um, judges, these court clerks, it's a, um, it's a good old boy club. Mm-hmm. They all know each other. Yes, ma'am. They, they're all, they're all making money. Their focus is not to make a problem go away. Their focus is to just kick the can down the road till you come back again and pay a little more money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, at some point I, you know, there was like a, a, a psychologist from the court involved, uh, you know, like a custody evaluator. A whole, there was like 10, 15 people on this case aside from, you know, the parents. Mm-hmm. And I, I told my husband, you know, every single person involved in this case, except you and bio mom, this is a job. This is a job for them. Mm-hmm. This is a job that they clock into and clock out and use this job to pay their bills. Right. You know, anybody that's charging you hourly is not going to do the job in one hour. Right. You know what I mean? Anybody, you know, and, and this is so sad because at the end of the day, you are fighting for your children. And even her, even, no matter how wrong she is, she's still fighting for her children. Mm-hmm. But to everybody else, this is just job right you know and it and it shows i'll tell you it shows that it's the job because it's just like a money it's like a money generating machine that's all it is yeah and it's sad because you get a court order you go to court you may spend Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. for a normal trial in our area not with a lot of hoodoo stuff but just a basic trial you're probably looking at about 10 grand each each person right each person and so you get this court order, you've sold everything you needed to, to be able to pay this attorney. And all of a sudden, the other person's not following the court order. Well, guess what? In order to hold them in contempt, you have to go back through the process. And then you have the temporary hearings and the whatever. And then, oh, well, the judge decided not to do anything to them. So what? The crap. Yeah, right. The, the, that's the other thing. The threshold for not following court orders is so high. Like you have to literally, you know, physically sever a limb on your child before anybody really, you know, they don't take anything seriously. Really. There's no motivation to follow court order. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because people violate court orders, but nothing really happens to them. And I think that comes from nobody really wants to take kids away from their parents. You know, nobody wants to pull that trigger because it's a very, heavy uh, burden to carry. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, I would like to tell these judges, this is the path that you chose in life. Right. You know, you wanted to be a judge, right? Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, part of your job is sometimes to send people to jail. Part of your job is sometimes to take kids away from their parents because they're unfit. Mm-hmm. You you can't be so wishy-washy and, and not, not uh, put any weight on what you do. But, uh, th- you know, for a long time, I thought it w- 
we were the only ones who had that problem. And then I joined, you know, a couple of Facebook groups uh, that are, you know, around this topic. And it's everywhere. It is. It's not in my state. It's not. It's everywhere. And it's 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 actually amazing that this kind of stuff doesn't have more publicity. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, we a while back, everybody was talking. I don't want to get into politics, but everybody was talking about criminal justice reform. You know, that's great that we want to preserve the rights of, quote unquote, criminals. But what about children mm-hmm. who haven't committed any crimes? Like, the, isn't there justice for children? Right. You know, I, I guess there isn't. I, it's, I guess it's not like a money generating uh, platform for politicians or for anyone. So, you know, who cares? Right. It seems like to me that things need to be more black and white with the court system, family court system. So just say that Fred, you know, not your husband, because that's really, (laughs) but say say Fred, you know, violates the court order. He is in willful contempt of the court order, which means he knew what the court order said and he chose to go against it. Okay. Right. First strike. Fred should have to pay a thousand dollars. Right. Fred would think twice about that if he did it again or, you know, thought about right. doing it again. Yeah. But the fact that Fred got his hand slapped and was told, you know, don't do that again. Or mm-hmm. better yet, the different judge could go, well, that should have never been in the papers in the first place. So I'm just going to remove that, that. That's happened to us. Yes. Yeah, that's happened to us. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's so frustrating. And, you know, aside from the direct impact it has on the kids, you know, uh, in terms of not protecting the kids or exposing the kids to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. I think we don't look at the psychological impact it has on the parents that's really struggling. I can tell you a lot of nights where my husband should have been spending time with his kids, but instead he was shuffling through court papers and screenshots that he wanted to print and getting ready for court. And, you know, time away from your kids. Amen. You know, uh, you, you know, or, or just the, the not being able to be psychologically, you know, emotionally present for your kids. You know, your kids are here trying to tell you about their day and your, your mind is racing in every direction about what's going to happen in court tomorrow. That's, it's so wrong. You know, I, I didn't grow up with that. And I feel sorry for my stepson that that's the dad that they get sometimes. Right. You know, and, and, and there's, and there's just no other, and I, and no matter how much I try to compensate and I try to maybe take him out of the house and get ice cream while he gets his himself together. I know they want their dad. Yeah. I know they want their, their mom. You know, I know that I, I can be a bandaid, but I can't really, you know, I, I can't make him healthy again. And, and, and it's sad. It's just, a, it's just a, a problem that snowballs and snowballs and never gets solved. And unfortunately the only way you know, it's going to end is when they age out of the system and they become over 18. But at that point, the damage is already done. Right. You know, it's funny you said that because I remember my son was little. Now, we have to remember I spent the first eight, nine years of his life in court. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the end, but apparently it's not. But anyway, um, we won't go down that rabbit hole or rabbit trail. <laughs> the um, I remember having a great day pulling up to the mailbox to get the mail and there was a thing from the attorney, some kind of mm-hmm. mess where his daddy had said, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And it changed my mood. Number one, it kicks you mm-hmm. into anger because, okay, most of the time mm-hmm. it's not true stuff. But then you think of the mm-hmm. bill, you know, the finances. Mm-hmm. I was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And right. then it's, well, 
like you said, the hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. I spent trying to get ready for court, being stressed out. You know, my son could ask me something and I would respond to him in a not as nice tone as I would if I wasn't stressed out about the court. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. Yeah, you took it out on him. Yeah, yeah. You, you took it out unintentionally. It's so frustrating and it's so stressful. And, you know, I felt like I could have put my son through Harvard. Now, oh yeah, I will say um, in my state, I well, not in my state, but in the court cases that we have had, because we've had several, it um, has been where they have ordered him to pay at least part of my attorney's fees. So... That's kind of a deterrent for him to not keep taking me back to court. Yeah, my husband tried to ask for that many times just for that reason, because he feels like if she felt the the sting of it, she would back down and they won't order it. Well, that's because where you are, I mean, they're making him pay her when she doesn't even have the kids. So they're going to look at it. Well, she's not working. She can't pay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she last year filed 16 motions. Yeah. And she ha- she had an attorney. Uh-huh. So if you're if you're not if you are not working and you need to collect child support, where do you get the money to file sixteen motions? Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, and nobody and and I don't understand how no judge is willing to look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how no judge is saying what is wrong with this picture here. You know, this person is claiming that they they are not working and they need money from their ex husband ex husband of like nine years, mind you. I mean, it's been a while, mm-hmm. you know. And but you have the money and the time to. How could nobody look at that and say this is not, you know, this is not right? But that's just the system, and you know. That's the other thing, Lori. I spent a lot of time thinking that, like, really trying to help my husband. Um, like, you have this hope that you're going to change the system. You know, you have this hope that you're going to show up to court and this judge is just going to see your struggle. And that's never going to happen because mm-hmm. of one reason, I think. When I read some of the posts and um, there's like a lot of custody and single parent groups on Facebook, Mm -hmm. when you read some of these posts, after a while, the stories all start to sound the same, you know, like you can't tell which person is who because they just, they're all very similar cases. And I think to these judges and lawyers, it's just all the same at the end because they don't, they don't have any emotional bond to the story because it's not their Mm kids, right? It's, It's just a job. So it's just all the same. It's just all boxes that they're checking before they get to go to lunch. And so they're not going to go out of their way and stretch themselves to do something out of the ordinary for you. And so you have to, before you go completely broke, like we did, Mm -hmm. you have to, I I actually not showed this. I actually told my husband um, a few months ago that, um, you know, I looked at my finances and I'm so upset at, you know, how broke we have become despite us being so, you know, financially well off with our careers. I'm so upset at at, at our current financial state because of these attorney's fees that I am no longer going to support, you know, any legal fees. And I basically told him, if you, if, you know, she decides to take you to court, you have to determine whether you want to fight it or not, whether it's going to cost you more to just give her what she wants or to fight it. Mm -hmm. And if you decide to fight it, then you have to find a way to come up with that money. But what you're not going to do is we're not going to spend our family money, 
you know, you know, our bills money, our vacation money, our whatever money, our savings, we're not going to spend any more of that money on this. Because if we do, we're just chasing something that's endless. And there is a win, you know, like I said, there is a win for her just knowing that she caused you trouble and she caused you five, $10,000. That's a win for her. And I just refuse it. Now, I did make it very clear to him that, you know, I am more than willing to spend any amount of money on my stepson, but that's an investment. That's not, you know, spending it on high conflict bio mom. And so thankfully, since I had that conversation, he understood. And since we had that conversation, thankfully, she hasn't uh, taken him to court yet. But I do believe I I do think that she is she's getting ready. And so that's that's going to happen very soon. Right. Yeah. And and it's sad. It's so stressful. And I see things happen and I get so frustrated. And it's like you said, as one person, what can we do to change this family Mm -hmm. court system? Because Judge, I don't know, Judge George, he may have had his wife cheat on him. So he's going to go more towards or lean more towards the other person because he's felt that pain. And, you know, it's, it's, they're people and no, they're people. They're all people. They're they're not supposed to let that influence them, but you know, they do. Yeah. It's almost subconscious, right? They're, you know, yeah, they are. And because the laws are so um, gray, the laws are really not black and white. I, I had a, I talked to a lawyer once and he told me, you know, family law is the one area of the law where the law is so gray. Mm -hmm. You could, everything is open to interpretation. There's so much that the court's discretion, you know, that literally you go in and it's like a coin toss. You know what they should do, Lori? They should treat family court like criminal court and have jurors, like have jury, (gasps) have a jury box. Yes. You know what I mean? So that way you are talking about like a, a handful of people that are from your community, you know, not, I'm not saying people that know you, but I right. mean, you should have, you should treat it in a way where the decision doesn't just fall on one person and God knows what that person's biases are. Right. That's what should happen. You are so right. And I also think that whoever the plaintiff and the defendant, they should be given 15 minutes to speak because yes, they can, you know, you use your attorney as your mouthpiece and all Mm -hmm. that. And that's what you pay them for, but it's the legality part of it. It's yes, your honor and section, whatever, but let the person speak and say, you know, for 15 years, this woman has drug us through court. We -hmm. could have put our kids through Harvard by now, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not to bash the other person, but to let the judge see kind of who you are and let you give your 15-minute um, summary of what your life's been like with this, why your opinion's your opinion, something, because most of the time you don't even talk to the judge. Right. And like you said, it's the good old boy system. Yeah, but again, I have no, I have no faith and no hope in, in this system. I, it, and it's just so sad because... I'll tell you, I love my stepsons to death. I really, really do. And um, I I will pour every last red cent I have to do anything for them. 
but I really worry for their future Mm -hmm. because they have been exposed to some really bad things and from a very young age. And I, I just don't think they really understand right from wrong. I don't think they have the, the, the life skills that they need to, to do well in life. And I think they're really vulnerable to, to bad influences and who knows what their future is going to be like. And although, you know, life handed them a crazy mom and they cannot, you know, um, they don't, they can't control that they were given a crazy mom. The law definitely, you know, failed them. There should have been other things put in place to, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I had only been with my husband maybe like four or five months. Um, bio mom got a bright idea to coach the children to say that their dad molested them. Oh, gosh. And took them to the police. And, uh, you know, obviously the police is going to do their job and take this seriously. Um, my husband was arrested. He had to submit to a polygraph. He had to go through hell and back. Of course, he was there. It was found that none of this, you know, had any validity. The kids are not sexually violated in any way. Um, and there was zero consequence to their mother for doing this. Yes. Honey, that's happened to two of my friends. I know. I know that this stuff happens, but it's like, how is that possible? How could you, how could anybody in any position of power know that somebody did something so vicious? And not only that, but like at the time, the children, Lori, they, they're too young to even understand the concept of, you know, sexual violation. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't know what, you know, if, if you've never been molested and you're five years old, you wouldn't know what molestation is. Right. Right. And so, and so now they're like, their senses are heightened and they are now, they have this awareness of this thing that they didn't know of. And, um, she had told them that. They, they asked, you know, when they asked her, why, why are we doing this? She basically told them, listen, your dad, you know, you know, little boys think their dads are superheroes, right? So they, she basically, you know, used that and told them, look, nothing's going to happen to your dad. You're, nobody's going to hurt your dad. Your dad's not going to be affected by this. Your dad is big and strong and he's going to be fine. But what you're doing is you're helping mommy get more time with you. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, in their mind, they're like, okay, well, nothing's going to happen to my dad. And, you know, that I could tell you has really affected my husband's relationship with his sons. I mean, I know that I can, I even see it. He really like, there is this, this wall between him and them now. He still loves them and provides for them. But I know like that's really changed how he views the boys. And if it ever comes up in conversation, they will say to him, well, but nothing happened to you anyway. There's like, there's no actual, you know, actually feel bad about it, you know? And I told him, you know, I think when they're a little older, they're going to, when they start to understand the implications of what that could have done to you, they might, you know, develop some sympathy, but you know, just the fact it's scary to me that they're that way. You right. know what I mean? It's cause you don't know what else they could go and say at this point. That is so sad yeah. because I mean, they don't realize at that age the financial part of it, the mm-hmm. emotional part mm-hmm. of it. I mean, mm-hmm. and of course, goodness gracious, if for some reason something happens to one of the stepsons in their private areas, 
DH is going to be afraid to look because, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be like, yeah, he was messing with my stuff. I mean, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you know, after that, there has been incidents where their mother and their stepdad has um, uh, physically, uh, you know, hurt them or hit them or whatever. Because it says in the court order that the parents are not allowed to hit the kids. Mm-hmm. So there has been times where uh, my husband tried to report, you know, that the kids have been beaten. Uh, and the court's response is, well, the kids have been proven to lie. So we're not going to believe it. What? <laughs> Yeah, because they, cause they lied about being molested. So we know the kids lie. So if the mother denies that it happened and, you know, you don't have a broken bone, then, uh, w- you know, it's it's not valid. Wow. Yeah. I would think at least with the bio mom claiming that the kids had been molested and it not being true and her coaching them to do that, they could at least file a charge against her for filing a false report. Something. No, no, nothing. The threshold is very low for perjury and, you know, lying about uh, it's very low. And I even like his lawyer at the time told him that this is very common. When this happened, his lawyer was so calm about it. And I, I remember my husband telling him, how are you this calm? This is like somebody's accusing me of being a pedophile. This is the worst thing you can do to somebody. And his lawyer told him, oh, you know, this happens in like 96 percent of high conflict divorces. and most of the time, it's always proven to be a lie. He was so used to it. And the fact that this is such a, a, a go-to trick, it's, it's so disgusting, you know? It is. And once again, if there's no repercussions for their actions, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. What stops anybody or even high-conflict bio mom from, you know, pulling another stunt, which she has pulled many stunts after, but what stops? There's no consequence to doing this kind of stuff, you know? So it's just, so again, this is the world that the kids have grown up in. And to, to, for me to believe that they are going to just grow up and thrive in the world and have the skills they need to go out there and make an honest living. I just, I don't believe that. I believe they are going to have some serious challenges in life. And it, I, I don't, I don't know what could be done. You know, I don't know what could be done to, to alleviate that, but I know they're not alone. I know there are a lot of other kids that are in the same predicament. Well, and, and then I'm sitting here thinking those kids could be, Something could happen to them. By a mom could be beating them. The stepdad could be beating them. Or they really could be molested by somebody. And now the court says they're not going to believe them. They're not. They're not going to believe them. My lawyer actually told my husband that the only way she would, because um, my husband wanted her to get um, supervised visitation mm-hmm. because, you know, because of just the, the stuff they're exposed to and all that. And, uh, his attorney told him, listen, here are the conditions that that's ever going to happen. A, she's, you know, addicted to a controlled substance or she's a drunk and, you know, gets into a car accident. Like she has one of those things on a record where it's just so black or white, or if she breaks the kid's bone, mm-hmm. okay, like the threshold is so high, you know, like, well, you don't want to see the kid's bone get broken. You're trying to prevent that from being happening, you know, but basically he said, you, your, your son coming home telling you that he got beaten, okay, or even if he has a bruise, it's not, it's not going to, you know, she'll, at worst, she'll get a little slap on the wrist, 
you know, maybe pay a little fine, but you're not going to um, get get the kids protected from her without anything that drastic happening. Wow. Mm-hmm. So after, you know, seeing all this, I've just realized that, you know, you, you should not waste your money, you know, into this system. You know, you really, you really have to have to do that equation in your head of, you know, if she's asking for more child support, you know, and that ends up costing you $2,000 a year, you know, that $2,000 a year is less than paying an attorney $10,000. Right. Yeah. You know, even though she doesn't deserve it, even though, you know, the kids are never going to see that money, you, you know, you, you just, that's just the only way to make it go away. Right. And then two, there's cases where, okay, say the roles are reversed and by a mom's supposed to pay um, your husband child support. Well, mm-hmm. she, sh- you know, decides not to pay the full amount. She doesn't pay through the courts. She pays on her own and she just reduces the amount. Well, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now she owes me $2,000. Is that worth paying mm-hmm. $3,500 for an attorney? No. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Girl, we got we got to work to revamp this system. I don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm just surprised that how, I mean, considering, I think I, I read a statistic somewhere that there are 18 million children um, who like go from one house to another, like have a, have a, a you know, uh, one parent living here, one parent living there situation. I mean, I would think that's enough people to to want to make a change for, but I, I'll tell you, Lori, I really, I have hope for world peace, you know, and a lot of other impossible. I have hope that I'll win the lottery before, before that happens. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't think it'll ever change. Right. You know, I think the only lesson here is if you are ever in the unfortunate situation where you have to get divorced, do everything in your power to try to settle it out of court because your kids could use that money. You know, you could use that money. That money is not going anywhere good. I had an attorney one time that told me, said, if you and your ex can't agree, I promise you, neither one of you will walk out of court happy. Yeah. So it's almost like if you can't agree, the judge is going to make sure that nobody gets everything that they want. That you're both miserable. Yeah. 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 I don't get it. I don't. And like you said, there's so many people you would think that, hey, we could all do something about this. Even make it where yeah. there are standardized forms that say, yeah. this is the issue, whether it's the bio mom or the bio dad's not bringing the child back on time like they're supposed to. You know, why do you have to file all this um, legal mm-hmm. paperwork? You know, the mm-hmm. plaintiff claims, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I don't get it. And it's frustrating. I think, I think one of the reasons why uh, this stuff is the way it is, is that there's a lot of shame attached to it. Um, my husband, you know, is a, is a professional. He cares about his reputation. And if you were to go into the court website and put in his last name, you could literally pull every single piece of, you know, court document that was filed since his divorce. And in these documents and transcripts, you will see that he was accused of, you know, molesting his kids. You, you, this stuff exposes people's dirty laundry mm-hmm. and p- 
people are ashamed of that. Rightfully so. People should be ashamed of that, right? Because these people, after they walk out of court, they still got to go to their jobs. They still got to go to their churches. They still got to go and live their life in the community like every normal person. And I think people are so ashamed of, of, of what comes with it mm-hmm. that they just, they push it down. They don't talk about it. And they live, they try to live their life like any normal person. Right. That is so sad. Yeah. It is. It is. And the biggest losers are the kids. The mm-hmm. kids are the biggest losers in all this. You're right. You know, so we got away from talking about nacho. No, that's okay. Oh, honey, this podcast is about everything blended. So we're good. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I do know that there are so many people that struggle with this and it's so isolating. And I, th- I mean, definitely this is the kind of stuff that's really put a strain on my marriage. It's not you know, the fact that, you know, little Johnny was, you know, uh, not picking up after himself. You know, I mean, that stuff is annoying, too. But I mean, that that's not a that's a small problem compared to, oh, we just got a bill in the mail for twenty five thousand dollars, you know, and this lawyer said he's not going to show up to court next week unless you pay half that bill. Right. You know, and, you know, and so now, you know, husband, you know, uh, is looking at me like I know we have some money saved away uh for i don't know emergencies or whatever it is and you know can we take some of that money and pay an attorney right you know and, and i mean it's, it's just it's it's sad yeah because i mean you you can't not pay it and then the attorney not go to court for you because then you've wasted all that money right yeah you know and then i know i know the the i know the risk attached with saying no we can't touch that money and i know that i wouldn't be willing to live with myself if court didn't go the way he wanted it to go because he didn't have the money to pay a lawyer mm-hmm. you know and so now i'm telling myself you know i really needed to go buy you know uh nursery furniture for the baby that i have on the way but i'm going to have to not do that so we could go fight high conflict by a mom about something that doesn't matter. Right. And, and that builds over time, that builds resentment in your marriage. Mm -hmm. It does. One of my court cases, my ex didn't like how it turned out. So he filed an appeal. Well, Mm -hmm. he decided to represent himself pro se, Mm -hmm. which he did a really good job. I don't know if he was dating somebody that was a paralegal mm-hmm. or something at the time. Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. he's not trying to take care of a kid at night. So he has time to do this stuff. I, on the other hand, had to go hire an attorney that handles appeals after I had just got through paying the attorney for the family court case. And mm-hmm. it, it's just so frustrating. And I know that there are some ways that we can represent ourselves, but if you talk to anybody in the court system, and it's even if they're friends of yours and they're not trying to get your money, they will tell you, mm-hmm. once again, it depends on the judge. The judge may look mm-hmm. at you and say, you know, I'm going to give you some leniency because you're not an attorney. You don't have the background. Yeah. You don't know the proceedings. Mm-hmm. Or they can say, you know, sorry, you didn't address me properly. You're, yeah. you're out of line. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's such high stakes, you know, like that what's on the table is so big that it, it, it's, it's just a re- it's real. So when you, you know, put all of that into the equation and then you think of your stepkids who are, you know, acting like little snots on any particular day. Mm-hmm. And then you as a stepmom just end up having a total meltdown. You know, I get it. 
Yeah. You know, I, I understand why that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I understand why, you know, why marriages could, you know, not work out sometimes. I get it. Right. Oh, I could it's too. too much. It's too much for one person. Well, I mean, life in general is expensive and finances are a big part of struggles in families. Mm-hmm. And then you add this to it. And like you said, you know, you get a bill for $25,000 and you're like, you, you're sick. You want to throw it, but you know, you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? We, we, um, we went to uh, our accountant uh, maybe two years ago to do our taxes and she, uh, she wants to see all of our bills because she, she's so good. She could, you know, find anything to, you know, I'm a business owner and, 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 uh, so is my husband. So she, you know, she wants to find any way to, to save us as much money as possible. And so inevitably she ended up seeing all the, the checks that were written for attorney's fees. And she actually initially thought they were mistakes. She thought we gave her like duplicates, you know, cause it's like $5,000, $5,000. So she, mm-hmm. she, cause in her mind, she was like, there's no possible way somebody's paying that much. And we, when we told her that we were, she was just, she was shocked, she, you know? And, and I mean, and, you know, cause I've seen people say, Oh, you know, I just wish I had the money to do this. And my answer to that is it's, it just becomes endless. It's like a bottomless pit. Right. You know, I wish we didn't have any money. I wish we would have been broke from day one because then we would have never spent that money, you know? Right. Um, but it, it's just like, um, it's like having a drug problem, you know, it's like the more money you have, the more drugs you buy. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, and that's what it is. It's like, Oh, the more money you have, the more you're, and if you know what the bad part is, if your lawyer is also handling your child support stuff and they see how much they're making, you're making it, it makes them very comfortable. If they think you're making a lot of money, it makes them very comfortable billing you as much as they want. Cause they already know what you, what you make. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, and it just comes down to, do you want your kids or not? Right. You know, do you, you this is what it's going to cost you if you want to fight for your kids, but they still have the nerve to tell you, Oh, but I can't guarantee any results. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can pay me a hundred thousand dollars. And, yeah. and it's rolling the dice. I'm not a gambler. Yeah. I don't go to casinos for a reason, but that's w- basically what you're doing. And, and, and I know why they can't guarantee the results. Like, I get it. They can't control what the judge is going to say. I know that. But I mean, how do you think people feel paying you the money that they pay you, you know, if you can't guarantee results? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the whole thing is just, it's just corrupt. It it's is. It's just corrupt. And to think that this is how the livelihood of children is being handled, it's, um, it's sad. I mean, if nothing else, you should be able to write off attorney's fees on your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Something. More people begin divorce then, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish we had the power of magic wands to, you know, say, okay, we've got a million people here and we're going to fight this court system all over the United States and make yeah. it where it is black and white. Yeah. Bobby Joe does this, then Fred has to do this yeah. or... You know, just yeah. whatever, because um, it, it's an endless battle. And then, right. too, you know, you can get a private eye. So that adds more money. And mm-hmm. But once again, if you're using the private, private eye to show contempt of court, you've still got to go file those papers and, you yeah. know, file yeah. the motion. Yeah. And I don't know um, if what the normal rate is to file a motion, but it's, you know, it can be $1,500, $2,000 just to file the motion. Yeah. Yeah. Not even yeah. go to court. That's true. Yeah. And so high conflict by a mom has told the boys that, um, so 
the boys, they have natural, uh, you know, love and affection for their mother, like anyone would, Mm -hmm. but also they like going there because there are no rules over there. Mm -hmm. Um, they can go to bed whenever they want. They could, you know, play on their video games as long as they want. They could eat whatever they want. Um, and so what, little child is going to not like that when they live in a home where there is structure and routine. Honey, what adults not going like that? (laughs) Right, right. So, um, she has told them that, um, when they become teenagers, they are old enough to go to the court and tell them where they want to live. And so, uh, it's, She's basically put it in their head that it's only a couple of years until they uh, go to court and say that we want to go live with our mom and it's going to happen. And I, I do believe I have not told my husband this because I don't break his heart, but I do believe that's going to happen. And um, God help my husband. Uh, and I do believe that the court will grant them the, the ability to live with her full time. Really? And yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think if I, I the, listen, here's the thing. Aside from my husband getting custody because she's injured a child, nothing has really gone his way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I cannot now think that everything is just going to go away. I think they will uh, let them go live with her. And um, it, it's probably going to take them maybe like a year or two to realize what she's about. Because in spite of all the money that she spends on court, she doesn't buy them clothes she doesn't take them on vacation she doesn't spend any money on them Mm -hmm. she just spends all her money on herself and on court and um but she promises them a lot of things and so i think it's going to take them some time to realize that she's not really going to ever deliver on her promises whereas you know in in our home we do what we say we're gonna do um, both good and bad. If we say that, you know, you'll be rewarded for X, you will be rewarded for X. And if we say you'll be punished for something, you will be punished for it. So there is that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're going to realize at some point that she's not going to deliver on her promises and they'll probably want to crawl back into their dad's good graces. But yeah. I don't know, Lori, I don't know how much more my husband can take. You know, he's also developed some, you know, health issues, uh, like high blood pressure and all of that. And, you know, it's, it's just sad. Yeah, it is because stress will kill you. It literally oh, yeah. will kill you. Oh yeah. One thing you had brought up was BM telling the kids that they can choose where to live at a certain age. I know mm-hmm. that varies from state mm-hmm. and, from the state that I'm in, South Carolina, the child can say what they want, but mm-hmm. they still, it's not their choice. It goes back mm-hmm. to the judge. The judge says, mm-hmm. well, is little Johnny not wanting to go to his dad's because there are rules and there is structure mm-hmm. and there's consequences and whatever. And he's just wanting to go live with Disney mom. So, mm-hmm. you know, yes, the judge can take it into consideration, but that doesn't mean that they'll automatically just go with it. Yeah, I think I, I think I've also gotten for my own survival. I've trained myself to also expect the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there is nothing worse than just being optimistic and thinking that everything is going to work out, and then just being in that dark place of realizing nothing worked out the way you thought it would. So I I don't really know. I mean, we take every day as it comes. I try my hardest to not. 
um, to just be present and not give myself this anxiety of what might or might not happen. Right. Um, and I also hope that from now to that day comes, the boys really, you know, appreciate their dad for who he is, appreciate what we do for them and think that, you know, I, I can love my mom. I can go see my mom once a week, every other weekend, but you know, I'd rather stay here. I mean, in our house, you know, I, I had a baby a year ago, but that, you know, I mean, I may or may not have another child, but that's about it. When they were over there, they have to share the house with four other kids mm-hmm. and the house is not, it's not a very big house. So, I mean, logically, you're just never going to get that same level of attention that you do, you know, in a house with less kids. Right. Uh, but again, kids like being around kids, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. all have fun or it's chaos. They don't, I, I don't really know, but um, I, I just hope that uh, the years go by fast. You know, you said that a lot of times you um, look at worst case scenario. That way you're not disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot mm-hmm. of people do that. One thing that I've started to do is say best case scenario, worst case scenario, I can handle both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And again, it goes back to, you know, kind of the philosophy with Nacho Kids of letting go of what you can't control. And I know that's easier said than done sometimes, but that's when you have to use the tools that we're taught to do that. Uh, Changing your focus. Don't have the negative thinking. Don't allow your mind to spiral. Don't pre-think what you think is going to happen. My mom used to say that she would get so mad at my dad because he would say, well, if they say this, I'll say this. And if they say this, I'll say that. She said, and none of it ever came about. So he wasted all that time planning what didn't happen. Yeah, just scenarios that you drop in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, and I, I'm guilty of doing that. I, it, I think it's just in my personality. I'm a planner. I plan everything, and I think that's part of your your planning is you just you know you, you just try to figure out every possible scenario on how you'd respond to it, and nothing ever turns out that way. So you know, it's almost something completely different. But mm-hmm. um, I hate that uh, this is part of the dynamic of a blended family. Like I wish all we had to worry about is just bonding with these children that we didn't birth. Right. You know, I wish this all, I wish that that's all that was on the table is here are two kids that were, you know, giving you and you figure out a way to love them and get along with them and have them love you and get along with them. If that were the only thing we had to do, um, and there were no other stressors, it would be so much easier. And I, and if you kind of think about it, I, you're, you came into your marriage with an ex-husband and your husband had an ex-wife. In my life, we just have an ex-wife. You know, I was not married before this. Right. So really, there are families that have it way worse than I do, right? Like there are families that have double of what we have. Yeah, I guess we're the double blend. <laughs> yeah, you're, the, you're double, right? Double trouble. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but um, I, I don't know. I mean... I just find comfort in knowing we're not alone. There are other families that go through this. Um, I even teach my stepsons that um, because sometimes kids also get good at feeling sorry for themselves and thinking that they have it so bad. And I've told them before, listen, there are millions of kids who have to go back and forth from, you know, one parent to another, you know, when you get out there in this world, nobody is going to feel sorry for you because of that. You know, and so you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself and you got to understand on the bright side, you got two parents that love you that want to see you. There are kids that don't have another house to go to. They don't have a dad or they don't have a mom. You know, at least you have another parent who wants to see you. 
Um, and so we, you know, but that comes from us too. Like if we're constantly feeling sorry for ourselves, that energy will transfer to the kids. Yeah. You don't want to let them use it as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. And make them think that they have it so bad in life because, you know, uh, no, there are a lot of kids who have it much, much worse, you know? Um, but you know, it's a, it's a self-discipline. It's a, it's something that we have to train ourselves and our children to, to do. But also I do want to talk about, um, my, uh, hours baby that I had, uh, mm-hmm. I was very nervous when I, when I married my husband, I knew I wanted to have children. He knew that too. Um, we always, uh, talked about the dynamic of, uh, what it would be like to bring a child into this marriage that's ours and how the boys would react to it. And I expected for there to be, um, you know, some jealousy and I was completely wrong. There is absolutely no jealousy. Once in a while, if they are being punished for something, they will tell, you know, my husband, Oh, you treat my sister better. But it is not anywhere, uh, it's not any different than how I would have said it about my biological brother. You, you know yes, what I mean? Like, yes. it's not, it, yeah, it, it's not extraordinarily, and it's only, I, I noticed that it's only said to get a reaction out of uh, my husband. Um, I think the age gap helps the fact that, you know, she's one and then the next kid over is nine. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the age gap is big. The, they don't compete for things, you know, they don't play with the same toys. They don't eat the same foods. They don't, you know, it's just a totally different thing. Um, the, the one thing that I do, uh, go out of my way to do is I always, uh, force my husband to, you know, make sure that not everything is inclusive for the whole family, that he still has to do things with the boys alone to make them feel like that relationship is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, you know, used to do certain things for them for Christmas. And, you know, like I have little rituals with them and I make sure to maintain those things. So they don't feel like once I had a baby, I don't care about them anymore. Right. You know, and you're very fortunate with that because a lot of times we see where there is a lot of jealousy with the hours baby. But I do think that most of those are because they are closer in age. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I think the, the age gap is, is, um, is the biggest blessing here. The other thing is they had asked me, um, on the day of our wedding, if we were going to have kids. And I said, well, I don't know. I, I knew I was, but I didn't know how to answer. So I said, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. What do you think? And they said, yeah, we'd really like to have a sister. And so when we had a girl, which thank God we did, we didn't control that. But when we had a girl, <laughs> they almost felt like this was a request that we were, you know, fulfilling for them. You know, they felt like they, you know, they felt like they had something to do with that. And so that's a huge factor in how they reacted. Right. Um, uh, But, you know, the funny thing is in every life event we've had, when we started dating, when we got married, when um, I got pregnant, um, every life event was a trigger for bio mom to start something. Mm hmm. So, um, it almost, the life events almost come with a dredge of, I know that this is the calm before the storm, you know, like I know now she's going to start something because of this. Right. And we see that a lot too, where the bio mom, she's okay for the most part. I mean, there's some issues, but then once the stepmom gets pregnant, it's a whole nother ball game. 
Like I said, almost like the dating is okay, or even the living together. We've had people that they live together before they get married, and the stepkids are fine until they get married. And either the stepkids start flipping out or the bio mom starts flipping out. Yep. Yeah. One thing is funny, and please don't think that I am um, relating your daughter to a pet, but (laughs) we got a dog, um, I guess, maybe three years into the blend. And it's interesting because that was something that we all loved together. And I didn't even think about it at the time, but my son we were at a restaurant one night and I was making notes about nacho kids and he wrote on there and he put, get a dog. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, when we got our dog, we all had something we loved together. Yeah. And I'm I, like, I can ah, see that. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I'm telling you, these kids, they love this dog. They will call us from Japan and say, can I talk to Ziva? <laughs> I mean, yeah, let me go get her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's, um, but that's one thing that, it wasn't mine. It wasn't their dad's. It wasn't theirs. And it yeah. wasn't my son's. It was ours. Yeah. And it did. Um, it kind of formed a little bond. So that was a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's something to, and I, I always refer to her as your sister. You know, I don't refer to her as my daughter. Right. Um, I always refer to her as something that belongs, someone that belongs to them. Um, and I, I always tell them that, you know, look, you, you don't really know. It's, it's a grown up topic, but you don't really know what happens in life. And if you uh, if me and your dad one day are not together anymore, you know, um, your sister is always going to be in your life. You know, you're always going to see your sister. I, I try to give him that reassurance um, to make them feel like this is not something exclusive to me and their dad. Right. Because they've already went through the loss of their mom and dad being together. You right. don't want them to worry about losing their sister. Because right, if they're worried right. about losing her, they won't bond with her, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, it has been awesome having you as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy I uh, I got a chance to participate. And thank you for the support you provide for, you know, women women like us. Yeah, women like us. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, thank you again. And I hope everything works out and that you don't end up back in court anytime soon. And Um, who knows, one day we may rally a bunch of women together and change this court system to where, and I don't mean just women, I I will refrain from saying just women, but also men, because I'm in a um, parental alienation group where dads, they're having the same issues. And um, so we just need to all get together and revamp this court system and find a way to make it work for the children, because that's what it's supposed to be for. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm in. Count me in. There you go. (laughs) I'll make a note. Jennifer's in. All right. Well, thank you again, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, I'm not too fond of the family court system. (laughs) Is anybody? Well, even though it's really been in my favor when I've been involved, but I still think it's just shady. (laughs) It, It can definitely use some improvement. Well, I really like... Jennifer's idea of having jurors. I know. I, I don't know what it would take to make that happen. I don't know why it's not that way. I mean, right. You know, I don't know. I, I know that it's certainly probably a difference because, you know, it's not a criminal case. You know, it's a family court case. 
But still, that would take away the power of one person and their personal experiences from deciding about these kids. Yeah, or at least give you the ability to request a jury trial, which, right. which is what the criminal system does. I mean, you can have a what's called a bench trial where the judge makes the decision, but the jury trial is typically what people want because that's when you get the ability to have multiple people listen to it and come to a consensus. Right. And two, you know, she brings up a good point that criminals get a free attorney, mm-hmm. but not in the family court system. You are going to have to pay. Yeah. I do wonder, though, if if it came to that, like let's say they did make those changes, how much longer would it take things to happen? Because, you know, now in a legal system, of course, it depends on the charge, but you could you know, be charged with something today and it'd be two years from now before it actually makes it to court. You can't do that in family court systems. Well, the family court system is not too speedy in some instances, but I think the family court system will, at least in our state has made some kind of rule or something to where a court case needs to be closed within 365 days. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It was just an interesting thought. I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah. But then yeah. you'd have to go through the process of selecting jurors. and But still, I just think it would be. Yeah, you you can see like during the jury selection process, you're like, are you part of a step family? And the person might know, like, all right, we strike the juror. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be part of a step family. Do you believe in the nacho kids method? <laughs> yeah. You think you should love your step kids like your own? <laughs> yeah. Do you think they knew what they signed up for? <laughs> <laughs> I know that would be great. Yeah. The questionnaire for the jurors. I know. So it is an interesting idea. I wonder if there's any kind of um, nonprofit or anything out there that like gives um, families an attorney. You know how there, there are nonprofits out there that, that do that for legal work yeah. for, for uh, criminal cases? I don't, I don't know of any, but that would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I have to do some research. Yeah. Find somebody. Bring them on a the podcast. Yeah. That'd be a good interview. That would be a good interview. We need to get a judge <laughs> on the podcast. You come to judge. We huh. could probably do that. As a family court judge. Yeah. I know one. He used to be my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, no, I'm not going on that. Yeah. We need to probably find a retired judge. Yeah. I can certainly get an attorney. That wouldn't be hard. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Make a note. Uh, family court judge. See what I can do. Slash attorney. Or yeah, or family court attorney. I'm making a note, people. Yeah. Of course, you know the family. All of them is going to say the same thing, which is this applies to our state. It may not apply to your state. <laughs> yeah, but still, um, I do think that would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be a good one to maybe get listeners involved in, like send in your questions. I mean, I don't know it's going to be different from state to state, but I think it still kind of maybe gives people some some ideas on what they need to be asking and what they need to be looking for. Because I think oftentimes people don't know what they don't know. Right. And so they don't know what to ask or what to look for or, you know, what they should be tracking. Or- right. Because you get into this wormhole or wormhole, whatever, you, however you say it, <laughs> to where it's like, oh, let me write down this. Let me document this. And then probably 90% of that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like what really matters when you're documenting stuff regarding We'll just say the stepkids mm-hmm. or really, you know, from the nacho standpoint, I shouldn't be documenting crap mm-hmm. about your kids. Mm-hmm. You should be doing it. Right. So say, what should you be documenting? If the bio mom's late picking them up 10 minutes, 
is that worth documenting? If yeah. it's five times, no, it's not. If it's 10 times, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they keep the clothes. I'm telling you right now, these judges don't care about clothes. No. They don't care about clothes. I think I think my viewpoint on it at the time was document everything, and then that way, in case you needed, you have it. But yes, I would say 95% of it was worthless. Right. I mean, they pretty much told me that unless she's abusing the kids, there's not you don't have a chance of getting more time. Right. And my attorney years ago had told me it doesn't matter if the parent is a heroin addict unless they're doing it while the kid's there. Yeah. As long as they're providing, you know, food, clothing, shelter, all that stuff mm-hmm. to kids. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I felt like as probably many people do, um, your ex is just, you know, the spawn of Satan <laughs> mm-hmm. and no kid should ever be around them for any reason. And every decision they make is terrible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one in that camp, but you know, I know people that where their ex has done things to the kids, not fed them or clothed them well, or, you know, had crazy stuff going on while the kids were there and, and they still didn't, um, have any luck in court. It's it's crazy. Well, one thing that I did like to with Jennifer was her husband like built her up with the stepkids. Mm-hmm. And you did that with me. Mm-hmm, I did. So do you remember an example? Yeah, I would. If I went to the store and let's say I bought everybody a candy bar, which was kind of common practice, <laughs> you know, I, I tried to pick up a little something for the kids. So if, whether it was a little bag of their favorite chips or a candy bar or whatever, but I wouldn't give it to them. I would, I would come home and I would give it to you to give it to them. Right. And I wouldn't give it to them and say, this is from Laura either. I would, I would let you actually give it to them. Right. And I wouldn't say, I bought this for you. I would just go here. Here, I got you something. No, I would just say here. Here. Because <laughs> I'm not going to say I got you something and lie. You do have something for them. Because I, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, you had it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the blurs between truth and lies. Yeah, but it's just a matter of setting up the, these um, these positive interactions because if you're just looking for them to appear, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to just find, hey, when when will a positive interaction come my way where I can – you know, have one, you know, it's hard. You have to be intentional and make those things happen. And so that's what we were doing. Anytime I found an opportunity for you to have a positive interaction with them, then I tried to make that happen. Even if it was something I was doing for them, if I could somehow make it to where you were doing it for them, I would, I would do it. Well, too many times we hear where the bio parent will say, you better clean up your room because evil stepmom's going to give me crap if you don't. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Hello? Yep. Come yep. on, people. Don't say that mess. Yep. You are setting up your significant other with a big target on their back. Mm-hmm. If you want your blend to be crappy, keep doing that. Yeah. And the stepkids aren't stupid. They already feel that a lot of stuff's coming from the stepmom anyway. I remember one of my kids, I was I told him to do something. I don't remember what it was I told him to do. But I remember him looking at me and said, is that is that something coming from you or is that coming from Lori? And I'm thinking, you little smart mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I'm going, that's pretty uh, interesting that you see it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, no, that is, it was coming from me, but it is something that Lori and I had talked about and they probably heard us talking about it. Right. And so, 
you know, anytime they hear you talking about something, they automatically go, okay, that's, that's coming from Lori. That's a rule or a request from Lori. That's not coming from dad. And that's why you got to be very careful about the conversations you have and who can hear them. Or they noticed changes when I came into the picture and related those changes to me. Yeah. Well, of course there were changes. I right. Mean, not, and they were not bad changes. It was just changes that need to be made because, you know, before you came here during the the time that the divorce happened and, and you, you came into the picture, I mean, it was a bachelor pad here. You know, me and the kids ran around, did whatever we wanted to do, jumped on furniture, <laughs> played, mm-hmm. the, played the music loud as we wanted to. You know, it was just, there were, whatever they wanted to do, that's just what we did. And so they were like, this is great. But, um, but part of that was because I was also trying to make this a fun time place all the time because I felt bad that, you know, the divorce happened and, you know, I, I stayed in their childhood home. So I was trying to keep things fun here that, so they, you know, saw this as a positive place and not the place where the divorce happened and all that. So it was just a, a lot of overcorrecting I was trying to do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as you like to call it, guilty parent syndrome stuff. <laughs> it is guilty parent syndrome. <laughs> it is. And I it's know. not an excuse. It's reality, people. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, that's just an excuse that they should, you know, really step up and parent like they're supposed to. They know that. Mm-hmm. We know that. I'm a guilty parent syndrome person. Yeah. I think a lot of people do. I think people that aren't even in blended families do it. Yeah. If you've got three kids and one of them tends to excel in everything, then you tend to try to make the one that doesn't feel better about things. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember there's a friend of mine, and you know who I'm talking about. I won't mention it, but um, he used to just get on his kid something fierce for some of the things the kid would do. And then come to find out the kid had some kind of uh, dyslexia or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a behavioral issue, but it was something else that had to do with his learning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, all the time the kid was making bad grades in school and dad was jumping down his throat. Well, now that he found out that there was some type of disability there, he went like to the extreme trying to make up for all the times he fussed at the kid. And I mean, this went on for years that yeah. that he had guilty parenting syndrome because of the way he parented the kid based on, you know, what he thought uh, was right. He thought the kid was just being lazy and not doing his schoolwork and all that. So guilty parent syndrome is real all over the place. Yeah. Even in nuclear families. Yep. Yeah. And it's not one of those things that you're not aware of, but you know, parenting's hard. Mm-hmm. Sure it's hard on a good day with a supportive spouse that you're all a big, happy nuclear family. But at some point, that little voice in your head says, remember that time you didn't let little Johnny do blah, blah, blah? Mm-hmm. And he cried for two days and you hollered at him? <laughs> or, I mean, really, I talk about the mind a lot, and the mind is not always your friend. Mm-mm. And, I mean, there's still things that happen when Jackson was three, that will pop in my head, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> that was 12 years ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, my son remembers a lot of this stuff, <laughs> and he, like most people, tends to remember the bad, and he will gladly remind me of it. I love it when he reminds you that he was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, and, and you're like, you were not a mistake. You were a surprise or whatever. <laughs> like, no, I was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I need to have him on here. That's yeah. what I need to do. And then I'm in the background going, oh, yeah, you absolutely a mistake. <laughs> yeah. And what, is, what does he say? Something about call it what you want, but it's still a mistake. Yeah. It's funny because he, he and I will look at each other while you're not looking and kind of laugh. You know that because <laughs> we know that we're we're teaming up against you. Getting my goat. Yeah. Pushing my buttons. And she's like, no, no. You tell she's almost about to cry. You want a mistake, honey. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Your <laughs> kid's going, well, I was a mistake. You're like, no, baby, you weren't a mistake. You were a surprise. I mean, you don't want them to feel like they weren't loved or wanted. Or When he says that, my, my little heart breaks. I'm like, no, I don't want you to feel like you were a mistake. He doesn't feel that way. He just does it because he knows it gets you. Well, he knows that his mama loves him to the moon and back or to the Pluto yeah. and back. That used to be a planet. Yep. So he knows he's loved. You're, he just, you're the best helicopter mom ever. I am. And he um, he's just <laughs> learned to push buttons like his stepdaddy. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. All right. So anyway, um, we really appreciate Jennifer being a guest because y'all think about it. These people are airing their dirty laundry to help mm-hmm. you. I know this stinks too. David. <laughs> Y'all I don't know what I'm doing with him. Anyway, don't forget, we're still doing scholarship applications. Yep. For the Sylvia Crack Hour scholarship. Any questions about the scholarship? You can email us at contact us at nachokids.com. Yep. And that's also where you can send the video. Yes. And it doesn't have to be a video of your face. Right. You can be, I don't care what your video, but just do a video and talk about uh, why you should be considered for the scholarship. Right. So I don't care if it's your dog talking or if it's you talking (laughs) or a sock puppet. Hey, there you go. That'd be cool. You know, I would be doing a sock puppet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or I'd have my little um, poop thing that you wind up and it walks. And I'd be like, this is Bio Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Get your little, little characters and dolls out. Yeah, see, remember, I wanted to do that with the Nacho Kids Academy, and you were like, no, 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 I'm still going to do that. Yeah. And my little Glinda, the unicorn that has the sweet, sweet little face, and then you press the button, and it's like, ah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we turn it into a theater. The Nacho Kids Theater presents. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> All right, folks, that is our show for today. Thanks for joining in. And make sure you share us out on your favorite. Share uh, us out. Share us out on your favorite social media site. Okay. Share us out. How, what else would you say? Just share us. Share about us. No, share us out. <laughs> share us out, people. Share us out. <laughs> um, and also make sure you apply for the scholarship and join us next week when you hear Lori say. Man, David, I can't believe I'm still happening to nacho your youngin'. <laughs> it never ends. All right, folks, have a great week. And remember, life is always good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.